Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. I need to call you rabble in because we're going to get into the Word of God. We're, we're, the, the seed is going to be thrown out in just a minute's time. I wonder how it's going to settle. I wonder whether your hearts are plowed ready. If not, just as I'm just about to introduce Josh, I'm stalling to give you that last bit of opportunity to plow your heart, just to say to God, kind of in the, just, just in the quietness of your soul, Lord, speak to me. Lord, I'm ready. I'm open. Your word is powerful, and I'm believing that I'm going to receive something from heaven, and when it comes, I'm not going to let it rest on the surface of the birds of the air come and get it tonight, tomorrow morning, but I'm going to, I'm going to, even as Josh, 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 which one is it? Josh throws out, throws out the seeds I'm, every time I catch it, I'm going to put. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to push. It. I'm not going to wait for the end to think whether oh it's a good ending or or whether when I get some, I'm going to push it down for me. And what it's going to do, it's going to produce a harvest, not just for me, but for the overflow of the people in my life. Does that sound like a good plan? Let's welcome Joss to the stage. Let's open our hearts. Let's let loose the man of God with the word of God. We're going to go for it. Here we go. Thank you very much. Ali's like the open, ultimate hype master, isn't he? <laughs> he is the, <laughs> just mega hype in it. Cool. So, I've um, <clears throat> yeah, I've uh, got a, a message which is titled, for those of you who take notes and all that stuff, put things on your iPad or on your iPhone or whatever, uh, it's called Past Provision, Current Prison. And um, this is something that I've sort of been mulling over really for a little while. And um, actually there was something that came up this last, no, not this last, the week before when I was um, just reading my Bible and reading through Acts and Isaiah at the moment. And so... Um, when I was reading through Acts, this um, sort of really sort of sprang back to mind, and I felt it was really poignant for for us. So, are we ready? Are we all buckled in? Um, anyone ever he- here feel like they're free, but not quite as free as they want to be? Hands up. Cool. Anyone ever feel like they've maybe experienced healing, but they're not fully healed, or they're not as healed as they think they should be? Anyone ever feel like they know God, but not like they would like to know him? Like they sort of just, great. And that's it. Thank you very much. (laughs) I would like to suggest that potentially this is because, and there's a, a number of reasons, but one of those reasons might be that the past provisions of God have become a bit of a prison for us that almost are maybe your current comfort if you like is blocking a desirable destiny 
it might sound a little bit heretical. In fact, it probably sounds a lot heretical to say that, that what God gives you as a blessing can be anything but. It, surely, if God gives us something, it's always good. But I would say maybe not. I would say that what God gives you now and what he gave you yesterday may even become a hindrance in your tomorrow. So just to tickle your brain, get the old gray matter whirring, here's a few examples just before you start throwing stones and uh, saying he's a heretic, burn him or whatever. Um, manna. Manna from heaven. It was God's provision for the Israelites. They were traipsing around the desert and God gave them this supernatural, uh, supernaturally provided food to eat called manna. It was good one day. It sustained them. But the very next day, if they kept it, it would be full of maggots. What was good one day wasn't good the next. Another example. There's a story. It's found in uh, Numbers 21 of when the people had, um, uh, were being judged and they had, uh, they'd been bitten by snakes. And so um, God told, um, I think it was Moses. I want to say Moses. I'm going to say Moses. Uh, to make a snake and to hold it up and the people would be healed. And they were. They looked at this snake and they healed it. An act of faith, an act of submission to God. They looked to the snake. The snake didn't heal them. God did. It was just them doing what God said that healed them. And they were healed. What was good, however, didn't stay good. Later, it, it became this object of worship. So we read in Kings that they had to smash it because it became an object of worship. What was good one day became a hindrance the next. What brought healing one day brought a type of um, yeah curse the next thanks this is like tag team preaching it's good I'm going to keep just leaving blanks and see what we can come up with um, <laughs> no I won't do that could get, could get crazy um, <clears throat> even more crazy than me just doing it on my own anyway the third thing Jesus the incarnate Christ now you're thinking how on earth can this be bad, Joss? How on earth can this be bad? Ali, do you want me to see? Pick me, pick me. Just picture him in the school, can't you? I bet he was the milk boy. He wouldn't got the milk. <laughs> Here's an apple. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Jesus, the saviour of the world, the ultimate provision of God, the thing that had been promised since the very beginning of time as the answer and solution to our problem with sin once fulfilled his task, he would become a hindrance. I didn't say it, he did. Jesus said, it's better that I go. He said it in John 16. Because he had to give us the Holy Spirit, right? He needed to leave. So Jesus, even Jesus himself, good one day, second best, the next in that sense. The law, this is the thing and they're given in the Old Testament given to Moses the Ten Commandments and then they sort of expanded on those but it was in a, an amazing blessing how to live these are the things that were going to identify the people of God and call, cause them to live a blessed life actually to following by following it and um, that however given one day was good fast forward a few hundred years and you've got to quote Paul in Galatians he calls it a curse when it's viewed in light of the freedom that we have in Christ. When you talk about the freedom that we have living in Christ, the law 
is a curse. Crazy, right? A gift of God. Fifth, the Israelites were brought to Egypt to save them, to bless them, and later became slaves. So where has God led you? Where have, I don't know, where, what has God given you, perhaps, in the past that may now be in your way? Where have you got, from what Ali said earlier, perhaps to a valley or halfway up a mountain and just sort of stopped? God got me thus far, but you failed to take the next steps into what God has for you today and tomorrow. Perhaps you feel a bit like a hamster stuck on a wheel at times. I know we all do. But I'm going to give us some suggestions as how we may break free from that. Is that all right? Cool. So just think about the story of the Israelites. As let's just take one example. So the Israelites, first thing we always think about is Israelites. Boo. Here's the, like, the pantomime bad guy, aren't they? In the Bible, every time the, Israelite, uh, the Egyptians are mentioned. Not the Israelites, the Egyptians. Um, sorry. Lack of sleep. Camping with a five-year-old. Um, anyway, um, so <laughs> when the Egyptians are mentioned, they're like the archetypal bad guy, the boo hiss. And um, every time, pretty much it comes up, it's normally really negative. However, what we often fail to forget is that they were the good guys because they only end up in Egypt because the uh, Egyptians help them out. If you remember, what happens is um, uh, there's a guy called Joseph. Um, he's the one with the jazzy coat. I close my eyes. No, you probably don't know that song. Anyway, um, he's the one with the jazzy coat, has the dreams, leads them on. Uh, uh, it leads this sort of wild life that takes him through lots of twists and turns, ends up second in command of all of Egypt. Ta-da! Anyway, there's this famine across the whole world, and, uh, and this has happened, um, that God's positioned him in a, um, in a way ready to save his people. So his brothers come, and then his whole family comes, and they fed them, and then they give them some land, and they settle there in Egypt. And it all starts out really good. However, there's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a problem what starts off with blessing, provision, literally stopping them starving to death, protection, eventually becomes a prison. Their comfort keeps them there. They're never supposed to stay. Where have you perhaps stopped because you just got comfortable? I know for me, this personally was in my actual, in my relationship with Jesus. Like, no, that's quite a big subject, but it, it, it was that, actually as a whole. A few years back, I just remember sort of thinking, I'd got lazy. I hadn't bothered, I didn't really read my Bible a lot just to get to know him better. I wasn't praying to hear his voice anymore. I just got lazy. You know how in a relationship you can just get lazy take the person for granted I just got like that with Jesus and it meant that I started to really suffer as a consequence because I just got comfortable with how well I knew him and that was that was it the Bible tells in Genesis 49 that Jacob also called Israel gets a bit confusing this whole thing anyway that's Joseph's dad um, his dying request was for them to take him and bury him um, in the same place as Abraham and Sarah so they had actually been given this little suggestion that they should be 
heading out of there. They'd been told them already. Uh, God had already given them Canaan as their place to live. And I, I would like to suggest that this point was where they should have left. This was the big hint, if you like, from their leader, the guy who was passing on to say, don't stick around here. Make sure when you're on your way and we're going back to where you should be, make sure you bury me there. But that isn't what happened. Joseph, although he knew the Pharaoh and the family knew the Pharaoh, it all started well, it very quickly started to go south when a few generations moved on. And so we, we know the story that they then decided, you know, after this oppression began, they started to be, feel the weight of slavery. Gradually, oh, it came upon them, obviously not all at once, but suddenly they became slaves. It crept, 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 taking ground, taking ground, and eventually they end up slaves. And so you have this hundreds of years pass and then God hears their cries and decides he's going to set them free and we then know this story it's where we get the crazy plagues you get Moses coming you've all probably maybe seen the Disney films you know the the, the, the plagues of Egypt and then eventually God um, sends enough plagues that the, the Pharaoh just goes right that's it get out of here we've had enough get off and leave and so they escape with this spectacular style they end up like plundering the Egyptians as they go and they march out the whole of Israel marches out of, of of Egypt and they get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts we read this in Exodus 14 and then we get this supernatural provision as they get to the other side and so on and so forth and the whole plan is that God is not just taking them out of Egypt but he's taking them to somewhere you so often we 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 can as Christians can have the idea that we've been freed from sin great that's like saying i'm out of egypt but that's not the end you're not just free from but you're free to go into we're we're part of a different kingdom the the kingdom of god advances and we're we're supposed to be part of this thing that's moving forward and taking on the the promised land and that to us means the promised land coming here because the kingdom of god is an expanding kingdom which we're party to and we're supposed to um, bring heaven to earth so it isn't just being free from, but freed into something. Does that make sense? So the, the, the Israelites knew that they were out of Egypt, and they could have just been like, oh, that's good. This will do. Um, but actually, God said, no, you actually have a promised land. You have a destination. You're not just out of something, but you're going into something. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can focus on what we're freed from. We're out of this, but we forget something, what we're actually called into, Right? This, this sort of vibing we're getting where I'm going cool so they've uh, escaped they've escaped um, Egypt they're moseying on through through all the deserts and stuff and uh, they get to this edge of this promised land this is the place that God's been leading them to and uh, it says that they send out 12 scouts to go and scout the land and uh, and, uh, and, the, and the and the bad thing is they spend like 40 days out there you know bitting and bopping I kind of wonder what they did for 40 days just a bit of an aside you know what I mean like after like a few days I'd be like where are they like how long does it take like what are you doing like are they ever coming back I don't maybe they gave them a time limit I don't know anyway the point is that they went there for 40 days bit and bomb around suddenly they turned up back I don't know if the people were just sat there for 40 days like well not like they didn't have iPhones uh, iWatches but you know just sat there like how many days has it been 13 oh god man I'll be back by now 28 days later <laughs> anyway the 40 days they turned up back they had the reports for the camp 10 of them were like it's absolutely goose 
don't go there. Um, what did they say? They said there's basically, uh, the people are strong, the towns are big, the cities are big, they're fortified, they've got walls, and, wait for it, wait for it, yeah, giants. I tell you, me and Kate, we've got... <laughs> she's on it she's on it <laughs> don't leave a blank she will fill it <laughs> um, anyway so yeah there's giants in the land look at all the people like no <laughs> after 40 days I'd be like I don't care I'm going anywhere but they, they weren't like that they were like no we're not we're not going we're not going giants means uh, you know people strong people powerful people maybe large towns Walls, ooh, giants, no, that's a, that's a negative. That is a negative. So, um, but there's two other people there, Caleb and Joshua. And this is why you get people calling their kids Caleb and Joshua, because these guys are awesome. Because they actually have a different idea. They're like, nope, we can take them. We can take them. I love people like that. <coughs> Always up for a rook. It's like, yeah, go on. Anyway, um, for God, obviously, not just in general. <laughs> <laughs> Just a caveat. <coughs> now what Brendan's like, he'll be in there swinging. <laughs> anyway, the point is, the point is, 40, these guys have been sat around for 40 days. Guys come in to give them all the bad news. And then these two guys are given good news. The people decided not to go. They'd been saved out of slavery, but failed to enter what God had for them. What a disaster, eh? And then for 40 years, they walked around in a desert. Till everybody who said no was dead. They missed out. A land flowing with milk and honey. Manna's cool, but a land flowing with milk and honey beats it hands down. And it was fear. Where has fear maybe caused you to stop and settle? Maybe even retreat a bit. Instead of pursuing the things that God has for you. A little aside as well. We all need Joshua and Caleb's. We all need people who are going to spur us on to great exploits for God. The ones that say, absolutely, he will, he can, go for it. We're getting there. Another little Bible passage. Uh, it's, it's Matthew 17. So this is another little thought. Jesus is taking a walk up a mountain. Um, I spoke about this earlier, actually. And... Um, he gets to the top of this mountain. We call this the Mount of Transfiguration because Jesus transfigures. I don't really know what that means. But what happens is he goes up this mountain and suddenly his glory is unveiled. He takes three disciples with him and he shines brightly and they have to cover their faces and they see the glory that's in Jesus. He isn't transformed from the outside. Something doesn't come upon Jesus what happens is the, the, the fleshy veil of his body gets thin. What's in him shines out. He is God, a very God. And so suddenly he allows his divinity 
to shine out and be seen. And so Peter says the thing that we probably all would think at that point. Let's stay here. This is awesome. In fact, I'll even whip up a few tents, he says. Dab hand, Peter. Man after my own heart. Um, so yeah, let's camp out here. But, and that sounds good, doesn't it? The glory of the Lord is here. But it isn't where they need to stay. You see, Jesus, if he'd stayed up on top of the mountain with three blokes and, you know, just had a bit of glory there, he wouldn't have fulfilled the mission. We wouldn't have had him on the cross. We wouldn't have had the resurrection. And then we wouldn't have been given the Holy Spirit. It seemed like a good place to stop. Sometimes, and maybe this is the same for you, perhaps you think what you have now or what you've experienced already is God's best. The best he's got. Maybe you feel God's peaked. <laughs> I think back in my own life and think of some of the miracles I've seen. I think, oh, that was pretty epic. Yeah. I should be thinking, come on. Come on, Lord. I know. You made the whole universe. That's child's play. We have a spirit that says, more, Lord. The world needs more. I'm not going to settle. Final little thought. Abraham and Sarah promised a child, Genesis 17. They're both old, really old, really, really old. So it's obviously a point of pain already. Something where, you know, they'd already felt the, the, the pangs of wanting kids. And so they jump the gun. Instead of waiting, they jump the gun and have a surrogate. And uh, instead of seeing through the promise, God had promised it. And they were like, nah, we'll skip that. We'll do it our way. And uh, it made things very complicated, to say the least. And took a complete diversion in what they were supposed to be doing and actually caused problems that we still have today with the descendants of Ishmael. And, uh, yeah, where that's ended up. And so I thought one of the other things that was a, certainly a thing, certainly for me as well, when I've not moved forward and I've not seen the things of God fulfilled, was where previous pain has caused me to, you know, sit on the bench, bench myself or camp on the mound of mediocrity rather than scaling the sort of mountains of miracles do you know what I mean where I've thought oh I don't know if I want to go through that again I don't know if I can trust God with that it says in the Bible that Sarah laughed when God said that she'd be pregnant who sometimes here laughs at some of the things that they know God said over their life and think not in a ha 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 way but in a I don't think so it'd be nice but I don't think so Jesus I don't think, I think my time's gone. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I've missed the boat. Now, there's quite a lot of things that can't be included in this. It's not always that you need to move on from something that's difficult. There's lots of things where things need to be worked through in the heart. It's not, it's not just a you know um, you haven't got the right thing or there's something wrong marriage for example you know it's not that God has some promised land and the one you've got is the dud one no that's that's a promise but I'd just like to suggest that perhaps in all of our lives there's areas 
where we've got comfortable, where we've his past provisions become this prison where I, I'm just a little bit too relaxed. It's just a bit easy. Or perhaps I'm a bit scared. Or perhaps there's that bit of pain which means that I'm just going to stay where I am. Suddenly Egypt seems inviting rather than trying to take the promised land. There's also obviously the the uh, addition of bad choices. <laughs> that's, that's probably worth saying. I'm king of those. The um, bad choices, they can leave you stuck sometimes. It's not necessarily that you've, you've cooed comfortable, you haven't moved on. A bad choice can send you in a complete loop-the-loop. That's exactly what happened with the, with the guys in the, in the desert. Their fear led to a bad choice, and that stuck them on a 40-year loop pattern, which none of us want, none of us need. And I believe that God is able to break that but sometimes we need to own up and go hey I'm sorry I need to get my feet back on the the narrow path and start walking the right way but I'm not really talking about that I'm talking about the promised land that God has for each and every one of us I'm talking about the healing that God has for each and every one of us I'm talking about being set free from anxiety and depression not just a little bit not just a wee bit, not just we're out of Egypt. We want total freedom of being in the promised land, right? You with me? It's not wrong. It's not, it's not wrong, and I can understand it. I know that I settle. Sometimes I'm like, that's good. I'm comfortable here because that next step takes a battle. You know, when the guys were looking into the land and they said, this giant's there. Here's the thing. They weren't making it up. There were, and they were really big cities. And the first one they had to take was Jericho, the biggest one. And that's the story of our lives. Sometimes it is easier to stay there. We enjoy some of the freedoms. We're out of Egypt. We've got the manna. <laughs> but we're not in the promised land. And that next few steps can be um, difficult sometimes. They re require determination, tenacity. It was making me think a little bit. You know, we sing songs like we just sang earlier today. You part the sea so I can walk right through it. Here's the thing I felt God saying to me about this stuff just the last few weeks is I sing those things. And he was like, no, you're, you're chilling out on the beach, son. And I was like, <laughs> I've parted the sea. You've been sat on your butt. Not going anywhere. There's things to do. There's freedoms to be had. There's much more power available in the name of Christ than I've ever seen happen, like um, utilized to see people's lives set free, to see people healed, to see the dead rise. But it's comfortable on the beach. So when you sing those songs, can you think of what parts of your life where actually, yeah, he might have parted the sea, but actually I'm not sure that I've walked through maybe I'm still on the wrong side of the water. So those few things. Comfort. I think one of the other things is we can sometimes forget the vision. I don't know if I said that. But when um, they were going to bury um, um, Jacob, 
the idea of the Canaan and the, and the, and the land they should have had, they've replaced that with being just okay in living in somebody else's land and forgot the bigger vision. The third thing can be fear of losing what we have. And instead, that steals what God really wants to bring us. We think God's peaked. I know we don't actually think that. I know, I know, theory, you know theologically, we all go, oh, no, I don't think that because I know God can do everything. But in reality, I think sometimes we think, ah, oh, you know, I think this is probably the best God has for me. Or previous hurt, pain, injury, disappointment. So what is it for you? What are the things that are holding you back from the promised land? I was thinking about, um, yeah, God, one of the things God challenged me on is like, uh, <clears throat> I've experienced a lot of the miraculous in my life. I've seen lots of people healed, set free, some really crazy miracles. And uh, God really challenged me, said, no, you're chewing on old manner, mate. You're chewing on old manner. It's kind of like chewing the cud. I still like regurgitate old stories and chew them again. If you know what cows do, chewing cud. Um, <laughs> regurgitate the grass and chew it up again. I feel like God was saying that's what I kind of do sometimes with stories of, of the miraculous. Like I just have to regurgitate one because I haven't got a new one. That was a bit of a kick, wasn't it? I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> You're right. I might be just a little bit too comfortable on that front. Maybe I'm not exercising faith as I should be. Perhaps you're on the shores of the Red Sea. God is prepared to part the waters, but you're not prepared to walk through. You're enjoying the comforts of freedom, theoretical freedom, but not experiencing the fullness of what he really has. There will be giants. There will be giants to kill. They weren't making that up, as I said. But God's promises always lie in a land of giants to kill or in the other side of an impassable sea. And that's so we can say, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are... Oh. Do you know what? The, uh, that was a moment... All things are possible. <laughs> so we can say, with man this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. He's the one that will provide the victory. He is the one that we need to be obedient to. It's not too late. It's not too late. You've not missed the mark. You've not missed the boat. But I would encourage you to kick up your heels and start following after him. Start pressing into and start getting towards the promised land in those different areas. And I know it's not a whole, whole thing, but I'm meaning in different parts of our lives, there's always those bits where you think, and you know, that bit of my life that's I might have been set free Theory, theoretically I'm it's out of Egypt 
that, you know, I've not even crossed the sea. I'm nowhere near the promised land. I'm not totally free of that addiction. I'm not experiencing total healing. My relationship isn't as it should be with my spouse. I'm not seeing, I may have had some people who I know come to faith, but I still have people who I love, people in my family, my friends who don't know Jesus yet. We're not there yet. He has more. He has more. This um, last couple of weeks, I've been reading, as I say, this through Acts, and this um, little bit came up, and this is why I decided to preach this message. It's about Peter, and it's, he's got put in prison. And it says that he was in prison, and the church were earnestly praying for him. Then it says the angel... Um, Sorry. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, shone in the cell, struck Peter on the side, told him to get up. He freed the chains off him, and then the angel um, told him to put on his clothes and sandals, wrap your cloak around you, and follow me. This is in uh, Acts 12. It led him out of the prison. It says he had no idea what the angel was doing or if it was even really happening. He thought he was maybe seeing a vision. They passed past the first guards and the second guards. And he was free. And then it says this. And they came to an iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them all by itself. And they went through it. And it was this idea again struck me that Peter was freed. He was freed from prison. He was free to then go whichever way he wanted. But God opened a door, opened a gate to lead him into his destiny, which was actually into the city again, in to take the kingdom of God into the city, in to proclaim the gospel to the city. And here's the thing I wanted to say to us as a church. And I felt God saying this prophetically for us as a church, that God has set us free. He set us free. But he has also opened the gates to find complete and total freedom. To see the kingdom expand. The gates of the city are opened. The gates of our city are opened. So the word can be proclaimed. And the kingdom of light can drive out the kingdom of darkness. We're free, we're out of Egypt, but we're, we're free people on a mission. We're free people who are to inhabit a promised land. It's a land of giants, but as Joshua and Caleb said, we can take them. Because the same power of, that raised Christ from the dead reigns in me and it reigns in you, amen? So church, I'm going to hand over to Ali, but I just want us to have just some time for us to just think about where are those places? Where am I struggling? Where am I been freed partly from anxiety, but not in the freedom that Christ really has for me? Where have I received bits of healing, but 
like the guy who could see Jesus, laid his hands on him and he could see, could see dimly, but he couldn't see properly. Where are you waiting on the shores rather than crossing through the river for all that God has for you? We've been freed. We've been given the gates to this, the city gates and we all need to be advancing. Bless you.